1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And first and foremost, I want to say that over the weekend I had my birthday. I talked about that on my Friday show. A lot of you and my Ride or Die crew reached out on Twitter and social media as well as in the comments section of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I first and foremost want to say thank you. For the birthday wishes, I had a fantastic day filled with family and friends. I added to my record collection. I love vinyl records, and so uh, it was a great day. So all of you that took the time out of your busy day to thank me and wish me a happy birthday, I reciprocate that. Thank you very much. And with the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's a lot to talk about. Before we dive in headfirst into this and some really – I'm excited for this in the second half of the show – I want to get something out of the way. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Show me a place. you know, We don't have all those fancy journalism degrees, but show me a place with better insights on the Steelers, and I'll be stunned. We'll put it that way. It's fantastic. If you've never been there, go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and check out all of our daily content. It gets updated multiple times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Go there, you won't be disappointed. And wherever you get your podcast, let's say you're listening to this on social media, you can find it on a Twitter link, or maybe it is uh, on the website itself and the megaphone player. Anywhere where you get your podcast, just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow. That's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, wherever you get your podcast and listen. Check us out there. And that's all of our sh- all of our shows. Not just my Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but also. Or uh, PM shows, it's a noon lineup. Just make sure you go there. You don't want to miss all that great content. Okay. What I'm excited for, it's in the second half. I'm also excited for the first half. I don't want to get that out of the way. Second half, I'm bringing on a guest. And normally, Mondays, I talk about how I really want to, you know, just dive into head, for, head first into topics that I can just talk about for 30 minutes or, or a little bit more. I'm bringing in a guest on a Monday, one Kevin Smith. Okay, KT Smith, he also is the co-host of the Here We Go Steelers show with Brian Anthony Davis. This guy's a football junkie, and so I want to really pick his brain about the Steelers, mainly with the news that has happened recently in the last few weeks. So make sure you stay tuned into this podcast. Not that you're going to go anywhere anyways, but make sure you stay tuned in because I'll tell you what, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. So the news. Yeah, I don't know. what Was there news? Yes, there was news over the weekend, Saturday In the middle of myself and Dave Schofield's 4th and 5th grade basketball game, our phones start blowing up because the Pittsburgh Steelers hired Brian Flores. The official title, let me see here, it's senior, Senior Defensive Assistant and Linebackers Coach. That's right, Senior Defensive Assistant and Linebackers Coach. Great, Yeah, In the, at halftime of our game, Dave and I are on our phones trying to get articles edited and, and get them, published. it was just crazy. It was crazy, it was exciting, and the Steelers fan base is really buzzing after this decision in this hire, and uh, it's really the complete opposite, the antithesis of the Pat Meyer hire, because when they hired Pat Meyer as the offensive line coach, no one knew who he was, they didn't like it. Didn't come from a place where they ran the ball particularly well. Brian Flores is the polar opposite in terms of the fan narrative. But before we dive too far into fan narrative and the, the really the title of this podcast, which is what the addition of Brian Flores means for the Steelers, I want to give you a little bit of background on Brian Flores. So everyone knows Brian Flores is the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Clearly, they've heard about the lawsuit filed against the National Football League. Uh, I think that was February 1st when that was filed. The one thing I want you all to know is his background prior to, because I think that's important. So if you listen to the breaking news podcast I did with Dave Schofield on Saturday, you have, you've heard this, but I, I want to reiterate it just in case. So Brian Flores, and a lot of people are trying to draw these, connect the dots between Tomlin and Flores. There really are none. There are no dots to be connected. You know, We know that Mike Tomlin loves his people, and I say people because it's also coaches, From the Newport News area in Virginia, that's where he's from. He still has a lot of love for that area. Uh, He'll talk about that that area a lot. I believe it's the 757 uh, area code. So that's not one of those connections. Brian Flores grew up in New York City, and he grew up a Giants fan. You could obviously understand why he felt slighted that he didn't feel like he got a good crack at that New York Giants job. And so he grew up in New York. He went to Boston College and was a linebacker for the Boston College Eagles. Now, he didn't play in the NFL. Coaching career started as a special teams assistant with the New England Patriots in 2008 and 2009. In 2010, he starts to work on the opposite side of the ball, and as special teams, he's going to offense, assistant offensive coach, and remains on the special teams side of things. In 2011, he becomes a defensive assistant, In 2012 to 2015, he is specifically the safeties coach for the Patriots. 2016 to 2018, he is specifically the linebackers coach, and that is when he was eventually hired by the Miami Dolphins. Now, before we get to the Dolphins tenure, I want to make a couple, think about where he has been, what he has done, and maybe even what he has not done. Special teams, you can check that off. He's worked with the special teams aspect of the game. He's even worked on the offensive side of the football. Defensive assistant, position specific with the safeties and linebackers. That's impressive enough as it is. But then I think about the fact, and I said this to Dave on Saturday, I was stunned that this guy has no experience as a coordinator. So you could go look back at Mike Tomlin's tenure, and you would see all these graduate assistant at Memphis, and VMI, I believe he he coached there for a year, And then he gets hired by Tony Dungy to be the secondary coach in Tampa Bay. He spent one year with the Minnesota Vikings as a defensive coordinator before being hired by the Steelers in 2007. Flores never had coordinator experience. I'm not slighting the guy. I was just surprised. I was shocked he had never been a coordinator prior to being hired by the Dolphins. So in In 2019, the Miami Dolphins bring in Brian Flores, and it's a bad season. It's a bad year, they finished 5-11, and and that also is the year that it was, according to the lawsuit, filed against those teams, and when I say those teams, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and now the Houston Texans have been added. He claimed that the owner of the Dolphins told him he would give him $100,000 to tank to get a better draft pick. That was the tanking season. That that's what's being reported. That's what's in the lawsuit. I'm not saying that. That's just what's out there. They finished five and eleven. So if he got paid hundred thousand dollars for every loss, the, the dude's a wealthy man already. That's like an added bonus. I don't think that's had that happen, but still. Then 2020 comes. They finished ten and six. Pretty good year. Pretty good season. And in 2021, how can we forget last season where they started one and seven? You're thinking. Flores might get canned in the middle of the year. They turn it around and finish 9-8. and eight. They miss the playoffs, but finish 9-8. and eight. What a job. Now, you can say what you want. I know that there was a commenter on our YouTube channel that uh, during the live show that we had Dave and I on the breaking news podcast for Brian Flores... That they said, you know, one and seven, Flores decided he was going to take over, basically calling the defense. And that's when things turned around. Whether that's true or not is neither here nor there. It is appropriate to at least point out that as the head coach, the team was one and seven. So let's not, the way they finished should not necessarily completely erase the horrible start. But what a rebound. They finished nine and eight with two years left on his contract. He gets canned. I think that was the stun of the offseason, in my opinion. That was more stunning than the lawsuit in general because I, I remember seeing that come across Twitter and thinking they really just fired Flores after he came back from a 1-7 start to finish 9-8. and eight? I have a good friend of mine who's a Dolphins fan. I sent him a text said they fired Flores and he hadn't even heard yet. And he said, are you kidding me? I said, no, that's what's going on on Twitter. And then he comes back and says, this is unbelievable. And he said, you know, typical Dolphins move, They they don't know how to manage the team. They don't know a good thing when they see it. So there you have it. That's what leads up to now, this offseason, Flores becomes a part of the Steelers as a senior defensive assistant. So I thought to myself, this offseason, we talked about this on other shows. I talked about it here on Let's Ride on the Steelers preview with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield. I said, I'm curious, when they promoted Terrell Austin, to defensive coordinator, to fill in for Keith Butler. I was curious, what were they going to do with the linebackers, and were they going to fill Terrell Austin's senior defensive assistant role? And I thought they would, but I didn't think it would be with one individual. I thought they were going to take that in a, we're going to hire two different people, and we're going to fill these vacancies with two people. So in other words, they're going to get someone to coach the linebackers, and then they're going to get someone to be that senior defensive assistant. Think about someone that is, you know, long tenured in the league. They've done it. They've called defensive plays before. Lo and behold, Brian Flores is that guy filling both of those roles with one individual. Now, you'll have the skeptics out there like Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette somehow claiming that the Steelers are cheap for doing this. I'm not buying into that narrative. I'm just not. I'm not going to give it any credence. But still, the the... The ripple effect of this has been really interesting to watch. And what I mean by that is Steeler fans have been ecstatic. Like I said at the beginning here, for everything that was negatively said about the Pat Myers hire, the opposite is being said about the hire of Brian Flores. And rightfully so, Brian Flores is a good coach. You cannot say that he's not a good coach. You can talk about the 1-7 start, you can talk about the 5-11-2019 season, but this guy is a play, is a is a coach that players want to play for. You don't have a professional team at 1 and 7 and have that team rally to a 9 and 8 finish unless the players believe in what you're saying and they want to play for you. And that's important to note. That's really important to note. And there's some people that are even saying that wow, this could mean that there could be some free agents out there, especially defensive free agents that see this and say I kind of want to be a part of that. I kind of want to go to Pittsburgh. I want to play for Mike Tomlin, for Terrell Austin, who does have a good reputation with players. Minka Fitzpatrick loves him. And now Brian Flores, sign me up. Like, let's, let's go. Let, let, let me go to Pittsburgh and let's see what this defense could be. How dominant can we be? That could be, not saying it is, that could be what some of these free agent players might be thinking about. But I want to make something else. I brought up Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, One of the things that's being discussed on social media, especially on Twitter, was the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick, when Brian Flores was there, he wanted out. He wanted out of Miami. And immediately people are trying to draw conclusions stating that he had an issue, Minka Fitzpatrick, that is, had an issue with Flores himself. I'm not necessarily seeing that as truth. I don't know. It hasn't never has never really been publicized that it was an issue with Flores or if it was the defensive coordinator or whatever the case may be. In my opinion, I look at this and think that Minka Fitzpatrick is not having to answer Brian Flores necessarily. I said it before; he loves Terrell Austin. Terrell Austin is going to be the guy that is going to be calling the defensive plays. And if you're looking at the totem pole, there's even someone above him who he loves, and that's Mike Tomlin. Minka Fitzpatrick and Mike Tomlin have a tremendous relationship. I'm not worried about the Minka um, Fitzpatrick-Brian Flores relationship, although I think it would be fine. Another important note is that some people have been wondering, are there too many cooks in the kitchen for the Steelers' defensive staff? Meaning with Mike Tomlin wanting to put his fingerprints on the defense, Terrell Austin clearly going to be calling the shots and the defensive side of the ball. Now you throw in Flores. Is it a situation where, you know, there's just too many people? There's just too many minds, although great, too many cooks in the kitchens, I'm not buying that either. I'm going to say Jim Wexel of Steel City Insider said this. Like in 1992, Cowher, LeBeau, and Capers put together a killing machine. Those are his words, not mine. It got me all ramped up thinking about those 1990s Blitzberg defenses. You put more minds together, and you could be building something really special. So let's keep that in mind. We can't always assume that a lot of great minds coming together is a negative. Sometimes a lot of great minds coming together can be a really big positive. There's been a lot of credit given to the Steelers in this situation. There's been a lot of people saying that this is the Rooney rule for a reason. They're going to bring him in. It's going to make the Steelers look good. And I'm not disagreeing with that at all. The Steelers, though, I don't think that they're an organization that makes moves based on the Rooney rule. They're making moves based on who they think is going to best help their football team. And how could you not think that adding Brian Flores who has had success everywhere he's gone, to your coaching staff, is not a a positive. So I give credit to both the Steelers and to Flores. I give Flores a lot of credit because he kind of swallowed his pride. He wanted an NFL head coaching job, probably deserves an NFL head coaching job, did not get it this go-around, and so he said, you know what? I don't want to sit a year out. I'd rather be coaching than not coaching I want to show that this is still something that means a lot to me. This lawsuit is just a byproduct. I want to make sure I'm still coaching. So what does he do? He takes the job with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's going to coach. Whether he coaches a year, two years, three years, the rest of his career, we don't know. But I give him credit for kind of swallowing his pride. For the Steelers, I give them credit because they called him. And I guarantee this is a Mike Tomlin. Pick up the phone. Hey, Brian, I know this isn't what you want, but I want to throw this out there. I'd love to have you on my staff. We have an opening. I think you'd be great here. It'd be a great way to get you back into the system. And he took it. I think this is a this is great on both sides. It really is a good move by the Pittsburgh Steelers and something which should be noted. But I think that this is a situation where even though the lawsuit is still happening, a lot of people were wondering, is the lawsuit going to kind of be tossed to the side now that he got a, that he got a coaching job again? The answer is no. He is still moving forward with the lawsuit. The Steelers seem to be fine with that. Is it going to be a distraction? Only if they let it become a distraction. And for the guy that's leading the way, Mike Tomlin, if he can prevent Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell throughout the vast majority of their careers from becoming a distraction, I think they can handle this as well. I think they can handle this as well. Now, You might be wondering, how does this impact the Steelers on the field? That's a question everyone wants to know. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say, well, I know the X's and O's. No, that's why I'm bringing in Kevin. I'm going to ask Kevin not just about Flores. We're going to talk about Pat Meyer, team needs, you name it. But we'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm excited. I teased this at the end of the first segment. I've got a special guest. Monday, normally don't have a guest, but I do on this special occasion. KT Smith, Kevin Smith, our own Cliff Harris is still a punk. If you read BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, this guy knows everything you need to know about football. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey,
0: Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, Before we start, just wanted to say happy birthday. I understand it's your birthday.
1: Yes sir, this is being recorded on my birthday the 20th. Yeah, 39 years young. We're going to put it that way. Uh feel great. I feel great. Thank you for the well wishes. But Kevin, I want you to give the listeners out there because if they in case they've never heard the Here We Go Steelers show you do with Brian Anthony Davis. Uh what is your football background? You played, you coached? Give us a little uh let, let us hear about that. Uh
0: just you know pretty much my whole life has been uh, been dedicated in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, I played all through high school, played in college, and uh, I've been coaching since I was 22 years old, so I'm, you know, 52 now, so 30 years of coaching, and uh, I've been the head coach at a, a high school program in New Jersey for the last 11 years. I was an assistant for a long time before then, and uh, just had an opportunity really throughout my life to get to know some really interesting people at, at, at various levels. I've worked with some good college guys, and Gotten to know some pro guys, so it's been a, it's been a rewarding uh, experience for me.
1: What position did you play when you were a player?
0: Uh, in college, I played strong safety, so I was uh, kind of your old school, like in the box safety, which was you know a little bit more like an, an outside linebacker back in the day when everybody was lining up in uh, twenty one personnel, smashing into each other.
1: Did you wear the neck collar and stuff? I don't know why I'm envisioning you with like the old school neck collar with, you know, the big old face mask, like the Greg Lloyd face mask. Was that you back in the day? I
0: mean, you could have uh, you could have had a fighter jet take off of my shoulder pads there. So, <laughs> there,
1: so You know, those shoulder
0: pads and neck rolls back in the day. Absolutely.
1: That's, that's freaking awesome. But you called plays, didn't you? You were an offensive coach for a long time, weren't you? So you went from defensive player to offensive coach, am I, if, I, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I was an offensive coordinator for uh, about 10 years, so um, that just happened at kind of out of necessity uh, with the way that our, our situation was structured. But actually, I really think that being a defensive player helped uh, understand offenses because, you know, all, you, all you're doing is, is uh, picking them apart and looking at the fundamentals and the weaknesses, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that in terms of, you know, what the defense is thinking and therefore you can scheme opposite. But let's get to the Steelers. That's what everyone wants to hear. Brian Flores comes to the Steelers. New addition. The title is senior defensive assistant and linebackers coach. I don't even know what that means. Terrell Austin had a similar title when he was in that role. But in your opinion, knowing something about the game more than I do. What do you think Brian Flores brings to this defensive staff that could really benefit the team in 2022 and maybe beyond? We don't know, but at least for this season.
0: I think in the short term, the, the one thing that leaps out to me is uh, fundamentals. I don't think the Steelers were a very fundamentally sound defense last year, especially from a tackling standpoint. Flores' background, you know, you think about, okay, well, he spent, Four years in the scouting department in New England, and then you know another twelve or fifteen or so uh, with on Belichick's staff. And uh, and when you think of New England defensively, you just think what a what a fundamentally sound team they are. And I looked at uh, his Miami defense, some film of that, and I saw them tackle well. I saw them run to the football. I saw them get into really good run fits. Like that's one thing the Steelers were bad at last year: their run fits. And when we say run fit, we're talking about where does where does each player fit in terms of the run scheme Uh, you know in order to be gap sound you want a guy in every gap and and oftentimes with the Steelers you'd see two guys in a gap no guys in another gap guys over pursuing taking bad angles to the ball so I think in the short term he's he's probably going to help us tighten up in that regard and in the bigger picture uh you know as a Belichick protege so to speak he's great on understanding uh tendencies of offenses attacking their protection schemes you know, doing things with that that are just, uh, you know, film study type stuff. So I think I think from a preparation standpoint, he's going to be
1: great. When you talk about like the, the poor fundamentals and the run fits, where do you place the blame on that in the old? Is that on Butler? Is that on someone else? Or is it just the players, you know, not having to it, not having all the Like, what's your thoughts on that?
0: I think that's a combination of those two things. Uh, I think, you know, Devin, a lot of a lot of that starts at the second and third level. So so oftentimes it's a linebacker getting into the wrong spot. Uh, It's a safety. A lot of times in the run game, the safety's job is to make the linebacker right. So if the backer fits into B, the safety's fitting into C uh, or vice versa. And and I just don't know if a lot of the times that like Terrell Edmonds and Devin Bush were on the same page with that kind of stuff. Uh, there was also an issue with just the defensive line getting manhandled at times. And and that creates problems as well, because when they can't anchor their gap, now the linebackers are responsible for two gaps. And that's just you know, an incredibly difficult thing to ask them to do. So I think part of it was a talent issue. Part of it was a, an issue of just the injuries and having not, not allowing guys to to get enough reps to be on the same page. And, and I, you know, you have to obviously hold the coaches accountable to, to some degree as well.
1: You've coached this game for a long time and I don't care if it's just high school, you were in, you played in college. To me, coaching is coaching. You know, whether you're coaching pros or high school kids, a lot of the fundamentals carry on throughout every single level. One of the narratives, and I talked about this in my, the first half of the show is there are some fans that wonder with Flores Terrell Austin being the new defensive coordinator. We know Mike Tomlin likes to have his hand in the defensive play calling and putting his fingerprints on the defense, rightfully so, as the head coach. Do you subscribe to the narrative of too many cooks in the kitchen, or is it a situation where you can never have too many good defensive minds working together?
0: I subscribe more to the latter. I think it's Mike Tomlin's job to make sure – that you know everybody has input but at the same time that that input is constructive that that he has to manage egos i don't know about the personalities of those individuals but i'm a big believer that experience is is tremendous Uh, you want to get as many guys in the room with knowledge as you can and so long as everybody knows their role and can be collaborative excuse me and productive uh, and not get their ego invested that that that's important i mean on, on our staff and again you know we're only talking about high school but on our staff, we, we got three guys that have been defensive coordinators, two of whom have been head coaches, and uh, and they've really struck a great balance. Everybody kind of has a little bit of a specialty, and uh, and they're they're just excellent at, at collaboration. So it, you know, I, I think that uh, Flores is going to be given a specific role. I don't know what that is just yet, uh, but if he can, you know, if he can bring his expertise into that room. Uh, and and not get into a competition with some of the other coaches about you know who's who's the smartest guy on the whiteboard, then I think it'll be great.
1: I want to get back to the specialists in the coaching uh, in a second, but the last before we move on from Flores, do you think that this addition of Brian Flores would be a move that would make free agent defensive players in the National Football League say, I kind of want to be a part of that? You know, you have Flores, you have Austin. We, everyone loves Mike Tomlin you think this is a move that players might say, yeah, I could go here, but I really want to be a part of that? Or do you just think that's more just fan talk?
0: I don't know. I, I think obviously the money matters. And, and if, you, if you can't write the check, then you're not going to get guys here. But the Steelers have some money to be able to do that. But the thing that I really like about it is the message that it sends. I mean, it sends a message to the rest of the league that says, you know, the Steelers are going to stand for stand for the man. And I don't mean the man, capital M man. I mean the individual, that they're going to stand up and that they're going to be willing to say, we're not going to let this other stuff affect our ability to make a judgment on you as a coach. That Brian Flores is a great football coach. Uh, that they that they support, you know, his lawsuit against the NFL or at least his right to 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 bring those those allegations against the league, and that uh, that they're going to give him a chance. And I think from for, from a player perspective, that says, you know, we've got your back. And I think that matters. I don't know, you know, again, to what degree will it matter? Will it matter? Uh, you know, we we leave six million dollars on the table elsewhere to come to Pittsburgh. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know where that line is drawn, but at the same time, I think that the message is really positive.
1: Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Let, let's talk about position coaches. So Pat Meyer, new offensive line coach, he's been beaten to a beaten to a pulp by the Steelers fan base on social media, not that he gives a crap, but he has been literally just hammered by everyone from radio personalities to podcasters, to bloggers, to beat writers. It doesn't matter. No one was really happy with the hire. My first question before we talk about Meyer as a coach himself is when you think about, and you talked about your staff, former defensive coordinators that have kind of found their role, how important in your mind are these position coaches in the overall success of the team or On the flip side of that, is it more up the pipeline, meaning you you got to talk about the coordinator. So, for instance, Matt Canada, getting his staff in line, putting the players on the field and putting them in position by good play calls, where does that rank in terms of the position coach and the importance it is to a staff?
0: I think think it's tremendously important. I I just don't think that you can underestimate the importance of coaching. I'll just tell you a quick story. I had an opportunity to talk to uh, Paul Gunther this week. So, Paul Gunther was the – Former defensive coordinator for the Bengals, he was in Cincinnati for 14 years. He's worked in, with the Raiders. He was this year, this past year, he was on Mike Zimmer's staff in Minnesota, and he's got a his family has a house in, in, in the town here where I live and coach. And um, you know, so I ha- having a conversation with him, and and I asked him about you know he he's been at the high school, college, and pro level, and I and I asked him you know what's the what's the big difference you know that you see at those various levels? Is it just coaching, or or is it managing egos, et cetera, et cetera? And he said the thing that he misses in the NFL right now, and that is really prevalent at the high school level, is the teaching of fundamentals. He said he is shocked at the, the guys coming into the league now who uh, are just untrained in that regard. And, and he said that the, you know, the, big, the blame is really the fact that colleges are, from a hiring perspective, are really just looking to hire coordinators because the schemes are so important in college and they're hiring recruiters because obviously they want guys who are great at recruiting and getting kids to come to their program, but they're not hiring position coaches. They're not hiring guys who are just specialists in working technique, fundamentals, et cetera. So here come these guys into the NFL and they can't pass that right. And they can't get into a backpedal and they don't know how to tackle. And in the NFL with limited practice time and the ability to like actually hit and and do things at full speed in practice it's hard to teach those fundamentals. So when I look at some of the better teams in the league, I think to myself, man, they're really fundamentally sound. They're finding a way to get it done. They, they block and tackle, you know, like at the end of the day, man, football's about blocking and tackling. And, and the teams that do that the best, I think, are the best teams. And when we look at Pittsburgh last season, all right, where are the two biggest weaknesses? Blocking and tackling. Yeah. And so a guy like Meyer, one, one thing I like about him is that he's got a reputation as a teacher, as a guy who, who is heavy on fundamentals. And so, you know, I, I don't know much about him beyond that. I I can, you know, we can all rattle off his stats, et cetera, et cetera. But if he's a teacher and the Steelers have a young line in need of fundamental development, then, then, you know, that bodes well.
1: When I thought about Meyer, everyone brought up his Carolina, you know, the last two years in Carolina and how poor and how they ranked. I don't care if you're talking about like football outsiders or pro football focus, which is subjective. I mean, the guy didn't have his number one running back available. Christian McCaffrey was hurt, basically, the last two years. Like that plays a big role, does it not, Kevin?
0: Correct, and and he didn't have a a single offensive lineman start more than ten games because they were just decimated by injuries. So when you have no cohesion on the O line, when you don't have your best back, it gets pretty hard to to build, you know, continuity. So much of the run game is about feel. It's about understanding, you know, where your blockers are going to be, where the holes are going to open up and develop. And the only thing that really developed that is reps and they just couldn't get those reps.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's really important that fans hear some of that because it, and Mark Cavalli of the athletic put out on Twitter, he said he spoke with some people in Carolina and said, Hey, what happened with Meyer? Why was he fired? And they said one word scapegoat. And I said, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's see how that goes. Hopefully it works out well for the Steelers. They still do have to hire an assistant offensive line coach. I'm sure that'll happen in the coming weeks, but I wanted to pick your brain about the Steelers. Overall, so their overall, um, this where the Steelers reside in terms of team needs this offseason, we know free agency is going to begin at the new league year, which is officially March 16th. So we are getting close. We're weeks away from that legal tampering period. It starts on the 14th. If you were to rank like your your top three team needs for the Steelers positionally, where would wh- what would be number one for you looking at this team, and what they need in twenty twenty two?
0: Uh, overwhelmingly, they need help on the offensive line. I think that's something that most people recognize specifically. I really, I really think they need to start with the center position. You know, I thought Kendrick Green was overmatched this year. Um, And his guys only started six games at center in college. And then the Steelers really kind of by necessity thrust him into the starting lineup. And I just, I don't, you know, this is something that we can debate, you know, but I just think he's playing out of position. I think he's a guard. I don't know if they'll move him to guard. But I would love to see them either in free agency or high in the draft uh, go after a center because so do, to do me, you the think offensive line is do, do you think there. he's
1: big enough for a guard? Because a lot of people say he's too small to to play guard in the NFL. Do you buy into that? Or do you think that he could still do that?
0: No, I think he can do that. He's athletic. He can move. Yeah. You know, you look at Canada. You know, Canada likes gap schemes and where your guards are out and pulling. And, and they didn't run them this this year because they didn't have those dudes. So, yeah, I think I think he can do it.
1: Okay, so you said center, number one. Where do you go after that?
0: Uh, I go to corner.
1: If you're bringing in Flores, uh,
0: Flores, man, I mean, over 50% of Miami snaps last year were in cover zero or cover one. You know, and he had two really good corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And and that allowed Miami to get really creative with a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And the Steelers have kind of increasingly trended towards playing a little bit more man coverage, too. But now, you know, you're talking about we don't know what's going on with, with Joe Hayden. and. Cam Sutton didn't have a great year. So I think they really need to upgrade that position. Cause if you can play that, those man coverage schemes, it gives you a ton of flexibility on
1: defense. Now he finished the season strong, but how do you, with Akello Witherspoon, where do you put him in your, in, in terms of how aggressive do you get trying to sign him this off season? Because like I said, he, had I think three interceptions with I think that was the team lead and he played well down the stretch. We all know it took him a while to get there, but where do you approach the offseason season with Akella Witherspoon?
0: Like you just said, I thought his clothes was great, but I didn't see enough of a sample size to like you know really open up the checkbook for him. I mean, if he wants to come back at a reasonable number, I think that he's a guy we should we should uh, try to re sign. But I mean, I wouldn't break the bank for him. Uh, because t- to me, he could be a starter here, but he could be a third guy. And again, how much you're going to, how much you're going to invest in a third guy. Um, unfortunately, you know, if, if Hayden leaves, they're going to have to really get aggressive and trying to resign Witherspoon. Cause then they're going to, if he, if he leaves as well, they'll be really thin.
1: Okay. So you went center one cornerback two. where do you go after that?
0: Probably wide receiver because again, man, it looks like Juju's leaving, uh, uh, James probably James Washington's probably going to leave, so now you're looking at you have Claypool and you have Johnson, and the, they could be a pretty good one too. But I think the Steelers really need a slot guy. When you look at the the passing attacks in this league that are the most successful, they usually have a guy in the slot that that uh, is just a professional route runner with great hands who's really versatile. That's such a versatile an important position to an offense because you just get such good matchups in the slot. You know, you're going to get a receiver matched up on a safety or or a backer uh, and the really good passing attacks can take advantage of that. when you think about the Steelers passing attack this past year, they could not throw the ball in the middle of the field. And part of that had to do with the absence of a, a real good slot receiver.
1: Okay. Do you want to do top five? You know, two more. I mean, you, I like, I like where you're going so far. Where do you go with four? If you have one off the top of your head
0: offensive tackle, um i'm not a big Chuksa core for a fan I, I just don't think he's he's physical enough i don't think he's got the power at the point of attack to to really be able to be a long-term fixture at the offensive tackle position so i mean i would certainly look to upgrade there
1: do you like dan moore
0: i like dan moore a lot he's long he's athletic i thought he got put into some tough situations this year i mean they left him on an island Uh, against Miles Garrett, you know, for, for most of uh, both those Cleveland games and and he held up well. So he, you know, he, he obviously needs to get stronger and he needs to do some, some polishing of his game, especially as a run blocker, but he was more physical than I expected him to be. And he just kind of showed a development over the, over the
1: course of the year. That's encouraging. And let's do the top five. What's your fifth team need? Well, uh,
0: I, I, a lot, a lot hinges on whether or not, uh, Stefan to coming back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, but if he does not, my fifth need would be along the D line. Because again, man, if you're, if you look at floors and what kind of impact he might have on the team, he's a big three, four guy. And he, and he really likes the three, four tight scheme. So if the Steelers get into their base, uh, to run that scheme, uh, you really need a guy to anchor the nose. Cause you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones. So, to it would be great in Flores' scheme. I'll I, I tell you what, man, if, if I were the Steelers, knowing that Flores is coming, coming to town, the first thing I'd do is pick up the phone and call, and call to it and see if we can get him back in the fold, because I think he'd be great in Flores' scheme. But if he's not, we're, we're going to have uh, an absence there.
1: Yeah, that's good. I, I the, the sad thing is, and this is really sad, is that you know you could have said inside linebacker, you could have said quarterback, you could have said so many other positions. It's scary sometimes when you think about the state of the Steelers uh, and what's going on. So uh, I, I agree with all those team needs for sure. Before I let you go, I want to ask your question. This is very general, but someone that is coaching in high school played in college. Been around coaches like you just brought up with Gunther is at the professional level. You watch the pro game, obviously, as a contributor to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'd be curious to see, like, where do you feel the state of the game is right now? Because I can tell you, as a a guy that coached lacrosse for well over a decade, there were parts of the game I didn't like the way it was trending. You know, if that makes sense. They were taking a lot of the physicality that I grew up, when I was playing, was like a calling card of the sport, and they were trying to take it out. And I, I didn't really like that. Uh, Especially the way I like to coach my team, but what you—you've been a lifer, you've been a football lifer, a football junkie. Do you like? We know it's popular. That's not what we're talking about. The NFL has never been more popular. Do you like the way the game is trending right now? I will
0: say this at the the lower levels, I love the way it's being taught now because it's so much safer. And I think back to some of the things that that I was instructed when we were younger, which is basically like you know line up 15 yards apart and smash into each other as hard as you can. And that, you know, it was just a, it was a testosterone-driven game. And it, and it always will be because of the nature of the sport. But there's so much emphasis now on getting the head out of the blocking and tackling process. The tackling that we do now is so much safer. So like my own son, who's, who's you know, just turned nine, I have no reservations about him playing football because of the way that it's being uh, taught at the youth level. I mean, on the flip side of that, uh, the one thing that I see creeping in, and, and you probably saw this in lacrosse, uh, and this was really never true in football before, was the sort of the uh, intrusion of private coaches, private trainers, AAU leagues. They don't really have AAU in football, but increasingly these seven-on-seven leagues, these passing yeah. leagues are just, you know, guys are, guys are starting to gravitate more towards, oh, my club team, my travel team, my, my seven-on-seven team than they are on their you know their high school program or and that stuff is discouraging to me because that's just such me 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 stuff you know i mean it's again man it's the the intrusion of the individual on a team sport that gets discouraging
1: yeah for sure And that's that's in all sports that youth for some you all these athletes that are specialized in just one sport to me that's not being an athlete and athletes go out and play a couple sports you can take from everything and it's a shame, but I agree with you 100%. Well, Kevin, I always give the people I have on the show a chance to kind of talk to the audience and give your final thoughts on whether it's the Steelers or anything. If you have any at all, go ahead. Talk to the Ride or Die crew.
0: I would just say to, to all the Steeler fans out there are listening, th- this is going to be an exciting offseason. This is going to be an offseason like we haven't experienced in Pittsburgh in over a generation. You know, No, no quarterback. And by the way, I know I left the quarterback off my list of needs, but that's only because I think that that's something that the Steelers need to address after they've kind of tightened up the rest of the roster. But, yeah. you know, that's another conversation. But, man, you know, just with Roethlisberger leaving, the quarterback situation in flux, the team having some cap money, three, you know, three new major position coaches, Flores in addition. It's just it's just an exciting offseason. And I, re- I really can't wait to see how it unfolds because I don't have any idea what they're going to do.
1: It is going to be one. I think it's going to be one for the ages. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think it's going to be a turning point one way or the other, whether it goes the right way or the wrong way. This offseason could be the start of something really good or the start of something really bad. But it's going to be worth watching. So make sure you check out Kevin's stuff on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check him out on that podcast, the Here We Go Steelers Show with Brian Anthony Davis every single week. Kevin, thank you for joining me. For all my ride or die crew out there, make sure you are checking Twitter on Tuesday for the mailbag tweet and give me your questions. I'll answer those on Wednesday's show. You know how we finish it up here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. I will see you on Wednesday. Go to